And J.R. Smith already shirtless. <laughs> Final seconds here in this NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome to Balling in the Sixes season review. To go over what has been, I guess, one of the most unique campaigns in NBA history for obvious reasons. But you might remember that a whole year ago, October 17th, 2019, we released an episode where we made our predictions for the 2019-2020 season. At the time, Varel, we had no idea that basketball would be suspended five months. We had no idea that the champions would be crowned in October instead of June. Um, But I still think it's worth going back over our predictions, seeing what we got right and seeing what we got mostly horribly, horribly wrong. Um, So Varal, firstly, welcome to the podcast. And secondly, which category do you want to start off with? Which do you think we got the most wrong once we opened the envelope? Uh, looking through these, frankly, quite shoddy predictions on my behalf, um, the one I'm most disappointed with, because I do feel like I got unlucky on a few, but the Sacramento Kings for me, I had them as my surprise team for 2020. And in a sense, I guess you could argue I was correct, but they were a surprise for completely the wrong reason. I thought they would be fighting for that eighth, ninth seed, and they ended up being one of the most disastrous uh, teams in that lower Western Conference. So that's probably my worst pick. Yep, they didn't even make the bubble in the end. It no. was just an, an abhorrent, abhorrent campaign in Sacramento. Personally, uh, on this, on that note, it was that was one of my better performers. A Raptors, the Raptors were my surprise team, a team that. Many analysts predicted maybe to fight for that eighth, seventh, or eighth seed without Kawhi. Instead, and it's funny to sorry that to interrupt. No, please. Now. It's very funny to call uh, the defending NBA champions as a surprise team. No, the of course, irony but is well, well, the exception of um, the Bulls. I mean, I don't think any championship winning team has lost its MVP that next season. Um, of course, if I'm yeah. correct. So, well, they steamrolled the regular season, fifty-three and nineteen. But many felt that. Even in the playoffs, they couldn't. They didn't have that clutch factor without Kawhi. However, after a comfortable opening round against the Brooklyn Nets, it took seven games against a very well-drilled, very well-coached Celtics side to down the Raptors. And to be honest, it was, in the end, a serviceable title defense. Uh, both wrong, but uh, I'd say that's 1-0 one nil, one nil to me on that. Um, let's go from surprise team, I guess, to... Go on, surprise player, most improved player. Who's who's down on your on your shortlist for that? So I had John Collins as most improved player, and this kind of goes to the heart. Well, my prediction when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks, although I didn't make it on that podcast, I did think the Atlanta Hawks would be challenging again for the playoffs at seven eight seed. Uh, I thought it was wide open to, to get those last two spots. I mean. We're both pretty certain about the top six picks in the East, who are clearly a class above the rest of the conference, as it showed in the regular season standings. But the Atlanta Hawks, I thought with that young tandem of John Collins, of um, 
Of course, you've got Trey Young as their star player. I thought, you know, they could do some things, but uh, fortunately, Collins didn't quite have the season that I anticipated him to have. But, I mean, um, he averaged 21.6 points a game. He ten, has 10 rebounds. So you're averaging a double-double. He shot 40% from three. He, got, mean, he shot incredibly. He was amazing from the floor. If it's you not sure at, good season. No, he, he, got, he got 10 rebounds a game. No, no, it... it it, two turnovers a game. It looks like he had a spectacular season, but you can't look out but look at that record and think. I think for both of those guys, is it the fact that the rest of their roster is significantly weakened or, or significantly weaker than their peers? Yes. But I also think um, just it maybe when it not when it comes to team synergy. But I talked about Trey Young's liabilities on defense. I think he's one of the worst defensive guards in the league. And um, it, perhaps it can be argued, again, despite John Collins getting 1.6 blocks a game, the Atlanta Hawks games that I did see, he didn't honestly have the same kind of impact that, say, a player who's similar in mould to him, Bam Adebayo, had for the Heat. He didn't, he didn't have that same impact on the team. And um, I guess the stats don't show it, but... Um, you could argue maybe my pick wasn't very far off if you look at it purely from a statistical standpoint. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a terrible pick. I mean, mine was quite similar in terms of good player, bad record. DeAndre Ayton had an okay record, right, in the games he did play. Of course, a week after the episode was recorded, he ended up getting suspended for 25 games. Um, despite that, in the 38 games he did play for the Phoenix Suns, he averaged 18 points uh, and almost 12 rebounds a game. Uh, didn't shoot great from three, but, you know, that's not his specialty at all. Um, but, yeah, it's just he didn't kick on as much as I expected him to after his breakout rookie year. Um, in the interest of time, let's move straight on from MIP, I guess, to MVP. Um, I'll start with this. Mine, again, was quite a generic pick. I'm not, I'm not too proud of it. I pride myself on being hipster, but picking James Harden, <laughs> I mean, he didn't really make it in any of the... I mean, he, did, he didn't dazzle. And, and, and that's quite a funny thing to say about someone who averaged 34.3 points a game <laughs> that he he's not in the conversation I mean he was of course doing his normal thing drawing 12 free throws a game um, you know diming almost getting 7.5 assists per game in addition to 34.3 points and was the Rockets main man but unfortunately if he's not going to lead the Rockets to a championship he can't really garner that MVP even if it's in the regular season the regular season MVP of course was very hotly contested and um, I'm not even sure if Harden made the top three so um, which is ridiculous I mean he had, he had a ridiculous streak of games didn't he uh, oh yeah it was, it was absurd during the regular season the 40-50 point games he was having but um, yeah I, I wouldn't say that pick as far off at all um, my pick was Steph Curry don't really need to discuss it there <laughs> yeah I, let's, again let's that's that. one of those unfortunate ones I, I also said in the podcast that I saw the Warriors getting forced and something we can discuss in um, the next podcast that we'll probably have which is our uh, maybe our predictions for preseason or our predictions for the upcoming season we'll see but um, I kind of expect Steph, I expected Steph to have the kind of season this year that he I think that he will have next year if you see what I mean yeah so, that makes sense you, you can't do anything about injury so I won't yeah, particularly blame you for that, that yeah I'd moving on I'll... to that uh, rookie of the year uh, <laughs> I pick Zion I pick Zion who to I be fair to be fair since he came back was very very decent and yeah. showed what he could do and almost gave us a 
a little taste, a little taste, similar if, if you're a baseball fan, similar to what Vlad Guerrero Jr. did in his first season for kicking off in his sophomore year. Um, who did you pick for rookie? Oh, classic Vlad. Um, so I, I also had Zion, and the, the funny thing about this prediction was that during the podcast, I did say probably the most prophetic moment I've had in my life. I said, oh, but our, all our predictions will probably be blown out of the water because Zion will get injured next week. And I think it was within a couple of days of that episode being released, Zion did in fact actually get injured for, for that long stretch of uh, time. So an unfortunate pick. The only person who actually was correct on our podcast, we actually had Nandi Ezekude, assistant of the, the assistant. He's my assistant. Um, he picked Yar Moran. So um, we definitely spoke about Yar in our predictions episode, but one player we had as a sneaky pick for the rookie of the year was actually Kobe White. And um, yeah, a bit of a disappointing pick. Um, I mean, he did over, have over 10 points a game. He did have flashes, but of course, uh, first year for any guard usually is a pretty tough year, especially for somebody as undersized as Kobe. And um, for that Chicago team, they definitely underperformed given kind of the young nucleus that they had with Laurie Markkinen, with Zach Levine. Um, I do expect that team to perform a lot better next year, but um, yeah, hopefully Kobe White finds his role in that team. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I mainly picked him because of his performance in March Madness, really. And uh, but as you say, first year extremely difficult for a, for a rookie. Yamarant did extremely well to take it in the end. Um, and overall, I guess we're going to look at now the winners. Of course, it's been weeks since the Lakers took the title. Um, but a lot of people, including myself, didn't think it would be that particular team in LA who would reign supreme. Instead, it was a team that went out in the Western Conference semifinals. It was the LA Clippers, who I said would come out on top. Uh, even in the most recent predictions that we did in June, our playoff bracket, I said they would lose in seven to the Lakers in the, East, in the Western Conference finals. But instead, they fell embarrassingly. Well, it's no offence to the Nuggets, but pretty embarrassingly in a comeback loss to the Nuggets. I also predicted Kawhi would be finals MVP, as he was in 2019. Again, less said about that, the better. Let's move straight on to yours, bro. Uh, yeah, I had exactly the same. Um, and the only thing I would say there, guys, is uh, if you do want to listen back to that episode, because you could probably make the argument that we were pretty confident with our prediction. I think we mocked anyone else, anyone that would make an alternative prediction, including the Lakers. We thought it was basically an open and closed um, book. So, um, yeah, that one didn't go too well. Let's see um, how that goes for that team next year. But yeah, that didn't go well for us. Yeah, well, in our, in our last two categories, we'll do them together. Bottom in the East and Bottom of the West. I'm proud to say that bottom of the East is one I completely nailed right in quite a crowded field. You know, the top, the bottom five teams in the East are only separated by three games. Yes. Uh, I picked the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, with a phenomenal record of 19 and 46, managed to not, not even threaten to make the bubble at any point in the season. However, my Western Conference team, I picked the Grizzlies um, to finish bottom. Instead, they were just a couple of wins away from the playoffs. So that was quite embarrassing. Thank you to Yamarant and Co for showing me up. 
Yeah, I mean, Kamel, we had the same prediction for the Grizzlies. Um, we can kind of segue into the next part of this episode. Um, but we both had the Grizzlies there. Um, yeah, I mean, that team, we we should look for them to kick on and make, maybe even make the eighth seed next year. Um, and I actually had the Hornets in the East, which, again, they're only four games off the bottom, but with how they actually play, um, and with the squad strength that, that I thought that they had at the beginning of the season, I was that was probably my prediction, the prediction, sorry, that I was most confident about. Um, so, you know, they really, really surprised me. And um, yeah, again, with a young nucleus they have, they should probably look to kick on next, next season as well. Right, well, that is enough embarrassment. Now we're going to go a bit of analysis and some review. We're going to give our own awards of the 2019-20 season right after this commercial break. Listen to your favourite podcast hosts commentate on live games that you are watching by downloading Hotmic right now. You can download it from the Play Store and the Apple App Store for free by using our exclusive code BALLING75 and just to thank you for listening to the, this ad, here's a clip of the best Raptors moment of the season. To go in game three. OG with a look. Got it! OG and Anobi at the buzzer! OG! Now, these are the Balling in the Six awards for last season. Firstly, we're going to go into the Tune In award. If there was any team playing, say, say there was all 32 NBA teams playing on one night, who are you most likely to watch, whether they're good or whether they're bad? Purely entertainment factor. Who are you going for right now? Right now? That right now is a different to how I would categorize how I would well no um no it's a good way of phrasing the question because if I look at it just from at this very point I would have to think about I probably have a little bit of recency bias and think about which teams were more exciting in the playoffs but if I teleported myself back to say January or December period uh, pre-COVID like which team really was exciting me I'd have to say um Probably for a slightly strange reason, but that I, I'd say the Houston Rockets for me, just because after they made that trade, I was incredibly intrigued as to how this no centre lineup was going to work. I had, I pretty much watched, well, I'd watched like every single minute of um, the first ten games um, post that trade, and I was I watched them a lot uh, during the bubble and during the playoffs. Um, yeah, purely from an experimental standpoint, I'd say it was them. Right. Well, from my perspective, a lot of the good teams this year, let's face it, I think were pretty boring, not in terms of how they played, but the fact that they were well-drilled and there was not too many Mavericks who would show up either way on the night. And that's why I'm going to pick the Denver Nuggets. Mainly, I, I guess... you're going to say the Mavericks because that are the pun you made there. Oh, no, no. See, I, uh, I bait the old bait and switch. But mm-hmm. the, the Denver Nuggets, you know, just have a litany of players and depth 
who when and one of them will show up every night it doesn't depend on a player it's the system that allows each and every player to have those magical nights whether it's Jamal Murray Nikola Jokic or someone else uh, and you know I think yeah and I think next season man, they're, they're, they're going to be the team with the exception of Toronto that I'm just going to I'm just, I'm just going to hopefully tune in unfortunately of course it's West Coast timing which is about 3am here yeah. but you know early Sunday games the, the Nuggets are top or second top of my list um, talking of yeah. systems coach of the year this might this this is including playoffs and I changed since the playoffs but I'm going to allow you to to give your answer first uh, I'm not even sure in this very moment um, I'm really juggling between a few OKC I'm somewhat reluctant to give it to just because I think you have to look at or you have to assume what kind of impact Chris Paul must have had on that team because his veteran leadership must have played a huge role and not say anything to the coach but I can't definitively say oh yes the coach must have had a huge influence on that team and I think Chris Paul really did a lot for them so for that reason again despite how you may argue that they performed poorly I honestly have to go with the Raptors um, wow okay so you're going with Nick Nurse fair enough yeah and, and I think you saw well, all year long, Kamel, how many podcasts did we do in a row where um, they had just had two to three injuries all year round? The fact that they still finished second in the conference despite being plagued with injuries all year long. And people didn't talk about it because people just didn't keep up with Toronto, but they were plagued with injuries. Um, and then when they get into the playoffs to lose again in seven games, despite um, how many times, uh, say, Van Vliet would struggle or somebody else what Kyle Lowry would have uh, really some quite poor games against the Celtics team and that they still went to seven games um, despite the individual struggles that some of those guys had I think is a testament to Coach uh, Nurse and his system Right fair enough well I'm going for the guy who got a step further than him well two steps further Eric Spolstra just because of his performance in the NBA Finals no one expected Miami to take one game off the Lakers but the fact that they managed to take two and managed to compete all game long without Dragic without was it Adebayo who was injured as well and uh, they had three injuries at one point in the finals and the fact that he I mean I said before in our last predictions podcast back in June that he's he's a serial winner right he's the he's the coach that no has already won it twice Um, and so he, he showed it again and I think he I'm voting coach of the year because he pushed the heat to their total limits. And, yeah, you know, yeah. that's all you can ask of a coach. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's why for the underdog category, I also put the heat. I did not expect them, despite the acquisition of Jimmy Butler, to, you know, even make the second round, really. Um, they did a phenomenal job against the Bucks. I mean, they just absolutely dismantled the Bucks in the semifinals. And then, again, with the Celtics. Uh, the same Celtics who had given the Raptors such a problem who had looked unstoppable at times against the Raptors. Um, they, you know, they had uh, they had the, all the answers for them. So my underdog team is the Heat as well. Okay. Um, I like that pick. I like both those picks, as Yanis uh, likes to say. Um, 
I'm going to go with slightly different route. I really wanted to say the Pacers, but that was before their playoff run. Um, I think the fact that they did so well in that conference without Oladipo, their star player uh, before this season, uh, again, that team really overperformed, I think. But for me, it's actually weirdly, it's a team that finished 23 or 42. It's the Charlotte Hornets, Camille, because <laughs> I expected this team to stink up the joint night in, night out. I thought they would be by far and away the worst team in the league. And the fact that they were not just, you know, they finished four games off the bottom, but they were very, very, they were a very, very competitive team. They had their nights where they um, really uh, played some of the top teams in both conferences uh, very close to the wire. Um, why is that? What, why did that come about? Well, we have Devontae Grain, who just uh, surprised everyone who, um, I guess, didn't watch tape of this guy in his first year or, you know, in his college days. But he was their standout player. He had seven assists, 18 points a game. Um, but he was just the main go-to guy for that team. And he was supported by Terry Rozier, who I was extremely skeptical about because uh, maybe not because of anything about Terry specifically, because I thought you'd have to see a significant downgrade from Kemba Walker to um, uh, to Terry Rozier. But this was a team that struggled when Kemba Walker was there. So I thought with Terry Rozier there, they're going to be horrible. And, uh, Terry Rozier, as hard as he fights, he was never a player that was particularly efficient on the Celtics. And I'm a big believer in the fact that players who have more limited roles, I, I expect usually that they are more efficient just because they're not asked to do as much. And in his limited role in the Celtics, Terry Rozier was not efficient whatsoever. So I wasn't expecting him to suddenly become more uh, efficient while also taking on more of a load but that's exactly what he did he shot 40% from three and he was 43% from the field I believe so he scored 18 points a game while becoming far more efficient which kind of shows how there are certain players like Terry where you kind of do need to give them the ball and you need to, to give them the freedom to express themselves otherwise they don't really fulfill their potential. So him, you've got him, you've got uh, Mars Bridges who made some great strides. Uh, uh, PJ Washington also had a very good season. So that, as I said earlier, that team's got a young core. And they did really surprise me this year. I thought they'd be horrible and they were actually mediocre. <laughs> that's quite sorry. I thought they'd be horrible and uh, actually turned out to be mediocre. That's uh, that's a great I way to sum up the, the last few years of Charlotte. Charlotte <laughs> yeah. I thought they'd have seven wins all year. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, looking at that, and uh, it brings up the idea of potential. It brings up the idea of a young core. Obviously, Charlotte, not necessarily, for, for me at least, are going to be the team who, in mm-hmm. a few years, are going to use their current young core to challenge for any titles. For me, the team award for the most potential goes to the Pelicans. And that's because of two main players, of course, Zion and Ingram. I don't think I need to explain it anymore. There's a Rookie of the Year contender there and there's the actual most improved player winner. And I'm going to end the conversation at that. Yeah, very interesting. Um, It's probably... mm, It's hard to say the Mavericks just because... Yes, it's two young superstars. Uh, they do have some young pieces alongside, but it's not a young core of, say, three, four or five that some of these other teams have. 
it probably would be the Thunder after they acquire all their draft picks in the next couple of years. Um, and if they do indeed trade away Chris Paul, but currently with what we actually know, I to go with a different pick, I think I'd probably go with the Suns. Uh, oh, okay. Of course, you've got DeAndre and Devin yep. Booker, and I expect big things from both of them. Um, yep. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot uh, of yeah, sense. Yeah, you've got the other pieces around them, but yeah, I'd say uh, those two, I expect to take strides. Well, Devin Booker already has, but as a team, I mean. Fantastic. Well, let's end on a downer, as we like to do on Balling in the Sixth, with crowning the serial underperformers. Um, I think there's one main <laughs> team who's takes this, um, but. Just in case you have any alternative views, I'm going to allow you to go first and then I'll have the last word. On the I actually, uh, for me, it's the Bucks. Uh, which is, well, again, sorry, Bucks. the Bucks. You know, you, you are aware the Bucks came first in the East and managed to get to the conference yep. semifinals. Okay. Yep. I yep. mean, I mean, so you're saying the game against the Heat just wasn't a bad matchup. They should have should have won. They would have won if they were close. No, no, no. I, I can explain my reasons. You go Please. first. Though. Yeah. I know it's very easy to say the Clippers. I, it's incredibly easy to say that, but I've got my reasons not to say them, so I wanted to go first. Now. Okay, well, my, mine is just Philly. I mean, it's, it's oh. some, to some it's some, uh, tough to call them underperformers because of the decision their front office made in terms of the alcohol for Jimmy Butler fiasco. But the yeah. fact is they did have a good roster. You know, they have uh, Embiid, they have Warford, they have uh, Simmons, they have... This, Tobias Harris but in fact the the chemistry wasn't there this year like it was last they pretty much flocked in the first round there was absolutely no hope for them and essentially they seem to have ruined the project I mean I'm not sure what they're going to do next year of course uh, you know they are they are hiring I hear they are hiring uh, a very experienced coach well Doc Rivers of course who's a serial winner himself but um, they must have something in the works because otherwise they're just ending up with a load of overpaid players, players who don't necessarily yeah. work together. And yeah. this season was just a failure, I guess, in everyone's eyes. Yeah, well, the, I know this is a game of com- uh, opinions, Kamel, but your reasoning was great. It's just you're wrong. And <laughs> the reason you're wrong is because we both predicted before the season that we didn't think they would be that great. We probably expected them maybe to finish around maybe four or five C somewhere around there, but they didn't exactly finish far off from, from what we predicted. And you can maybe point to okay, they were ex- especially disappointing in the playoffs, but they didn't have Simmons. So again, they'd still look cool, but you have to think that team would have not been swept if they had uh, Simmons starting in all those games. So. Um, Despite that, yeah, you, you did have good reasoning for, for, for what you um, stated there. I would say the reason I say would say the Bucks is because I'm really taking those playoffs into account. And um, they had a great regular season, but really, if you look at it, this team, the fact that they didn't make the uh, NBA Finals with how everything looked before we headed into the playoffs and even during the playoffs. Yes, this Heat team looks very good, maybe even great, you would argue, but they still shouldn't be a match for that box team with Yanis. If Yanis is, is as good as we think he is, and he is as good as we think he is. Um, I look at the rosters from 2018, 2019 to this season, and 
I did think going into the season, losing somebody like Malcolm Bogdan and also uh, Miritic, I thought they were two huge players for that team. I thought after Chris Middleton, I thought those guys were three and four. Um, so, you know, they tried to replace those guys. They got Marvin Williams partway through the season. I, I guess kind of a replacement for, for Miritic. Uh, they got Wesley Matthews, uh, who isn't really like a life replacement, but Robin Lopez as well, whatever. But this roster definitely didn't look as strong this year as it did last year. But I thought this team should still make these conference finals because Yanis will most likely improve from last year. And I do think Yanis did improve to an extent. His outside shooting was slightly better. I'd say he had a couple of cut shots during the regular season. Uh, on the outside or from the perimeter but the fact that you lost 4-1 is what for me is inexcusable at least the Clippers lost 4-3 at least it was super competitive the Nuggets had to go on these huge crazy comebacks and the Nuggets would you make the argument for example Kamel that the Nuggets are far worse than that Heat team I wouldn't if those if those guys had a 7 game series I think that would go to 7 games I think that Nuggets team is a great team, and I think uh, the Heat team is a great team, but they're both not spectacular teams. The Bucks team showed that they are not a spectacular team, that they're really just a very good or great team by losing 4-1. It wasn't six games, it wasn't seven, 4-1. And the game they did win was due to Chris Middleton really clutching up in that game, despite the fact that he didn't perform as, maybe as well as he could have uh, for the playoffs as a whole. So. Uh, we'll talk about again in a future episode what we expect to happen with that box team, whether they'll get dismantled uh, again with Yanis' um, impending free agency uh, as well, but not this year, of course, the year after. But yeah, um, for me, they were the biggest disappointment. Right, well, that monologue uh, unfortunately ends our season. Um, some 14 months after we recorded our first pre season episode. The 2019-20 season, at least in Balling in the Six Eyes, is over. May this upcoming season be less pandemic-filled, um, <laughs> but still full of content from your two favourite podcast hosts. Um, Varel, I guess this is, this, this is goodbye, at least for a couple of weeks, until we get right into discussing pre-season, because of course the NBA season begins very, very soon. Yes, Kamer, as one chapter closes, another one will soon open. And uh, in that meantime, everyone, just uh, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, we're looking forward to January as much as we can. But don't worry, before then, we're going to have a lot of content coming your way. Peace, guys. <laughs>